You're listening to The Catalyst with Samantha Chris, where we explore the inner workings of embracing the unknown, from ordinary daily habits to extraordinary measures. Get ready, we're about to ignite change and inspire action. Soviet-born and Ukraine-raised, Marina Bejanova moved to Canada at the age of 16. Her heavy accent and unpronounceable last name elicited countless chuckles, jokes, and attempts at imitation. Despite a marketing degree from McGill, she never managed to get a job in her field. Today, Marina is an entrepreneur, recruitment expert, and a global speaker, proud to have been featured in Inc.com, Forbes, Yahoo News, Financial Post, Fast Company, and Success Magazine. She's highly involved with the Entrepreneurs Organization as the Canadian host of the Global Forum Confidential Podcast, culture expert for Canadian chapters and contributor to Global Student Entrepreneur Awards. Her mantra is stand up, speak up, and be radically authentic. Marina, welcome to The Catalyst. (laughs) Sam, thank you so much for having me and thank you for that impeccable pronunciation of my name. Oh my goodness. Okay. So real talk, you guys, it took me a couple times. We practiced this at least three times before hitting record. And then (laughs) once we hit record, I still messed it up. So this is take two, but I thought it was really important because it is something that has been kind of, you know, a, a bit of a tongue twister for those saying it and a bit of a pain point for you. So I get it. And I totally understand how, you know, if people aren't getting it right the first time, they might just kind of make some jokes. And it's like, that's not fair. That's not right. But how, what was that like? Um, you know, the part about not getting it right or, you know, making a joke and laughing together, that's fine. You know, I had as much fun as you right now, <laughs> well, or maybe more while you were trying to figure it out. I'm sure we got some fun bloopers out of that. Um, the problem is when people don't care, they mess it up and then they go, um, okay, whatever. It's fine. You know, mm-hmm. um, when people try and make an effort, same as you did, um, that is endearing. I appreciate it. And it's also, you know, it, it, it kind of is a sign of respect. Um, so having that now, that's perfect. Um, but starting off my professional career and also being, you know, an immigrant, a newly arrived immigrant with a whole lot of, you know, insecurities, a big chip on my shoulder. Of course, every time somebody mispronounced my name or looked like they didn't even care to pronounce it right, it chipped away a little bit at, I was going to say the soul, I mean, chipped a little bit away at the, at the self-confidence without doubt. I totally, I mean, I, well, I was going to say I totally relate. I actually can't totally relate, but where I can empathize is that because my, you know, Samantha Chris and Chris being a familiar first name, there are a lot of people who will see it, who will glance at it quickly and just call me Chris. And even if I've corrected them and say, actually, the first name is Samantha, they, they continue to call me Chris. And I'm kind of like, well, you're not even trying at this point. <laughs> That's well, there rude. you go. There you go. See, and we all relate and people can make mistakes and it's fine. It's the follow up mm-hmm. <laughs> to that that matters. Absolutely. So Marina, you've had an interesting relationship with change. You're someone who's a deeply loyal person. You have a tendency of going all in on an idea and the you know, change for change's sake doesn't really appeal to you. And yet, from what I know of you and your story, you've gone through some massive change in your life. So, how do you approach change when you feel it coming? 
You know, it's a very interesting question because I think that for a very long time, I used to lack self-awareness when it came to the topic of change. Um, I think the concept and as an idea, um, it doesn't really appeal to me. Just, you know, change. I don't seek it out. Um, but so it made me think for many years that I'm just not good at change. Um, as a result, or also maybe in parallel, I always considered myself not to be an entrepreneur or rather be an accidental entrepreneur um, because entrepreneurs by default are supposed to be those, you know, risk takers, you know, change makers and change seekers, um, you know, those adrenaline junkies um, at heart and at soul. And I felt, um, you know, I don't really relate. And so I'm not really an entrepreneur and I'm really not good with change. But when I look back at my life and I take inventory of things that happened to me or things that also I made happen, okay, I go, okay, no, wait a second. Um, there's been quite a bit of change. There's been change of moving to another country. Um, there's been, you know, pivot as far as my education, pivoting as far as um, my job search when I wasn't able to get a foot in the door, um, you know, pursuing the career that I thought was the career of my dreams. And of course, most recently dealing with all of the change um, that happened to us <laughs> as a result of the pandemic, but then creating my own change uh, within that storm as well that I'm really proud of. Um, so not something that I seek out, but something that I think I'm a lot more comfortable with than I'd given myself, myself credit for. Mm, I love that. So when you look back at those changes, are you just acknowledging that you've gone through them, you've made it out on the other side and that you're capable? Or are you looking at them thinking, wow, I actually... And pretty awesome. Like these were some major changes that even one of them could have completely derailed someone. And here I am stronger because of them. Sam, I am pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. I'm glad you know that. <laughs> Thank you. You know what? And I do want to say it out loud intentionally because um, I find that as women, we don't always. Um, and, um, you know, our male colleagues seem to be more comfortable acknowledging what, what they think <laughs> publicly. Um, so, yes, I do look back at a lot of the things that have happened uh, to me, a lot of the things that I made happen. Um, and, yes, I do take a lot of credit. And I say, you know what? I am awesome. I don't, however, um, again, I don't view change as just a necessary thing to pursue. You know, a lot of people are in constant pursuit of what's next. You know, what's next? What's the next shiny thing? What's the next mm -hmm. thing I can be doing? Um, it's not me. I think magic lies in finding um, that internal fuel, our why, you know, Simon Sinek's why, our mission, our purpose, and then, you know, living in that. And then change can happen if it needs to. We can also be intentional with it. Um, but not necessarily, you know, sometimes we um, are more in pursuit of change um, because we're not looking at that deep core that actually needs to be found or shifted first. I loathe boredom. Um, I'm a workaholic and I am constantly in action and uh, I struggle with the concept of slowing down as in, you know, that um, as far as activity, right? I need to constantly be busy. It is very important to me and just workaholic at my core. Um, but I think that where I search for, um, you know, projects, adding projects to um, my plate rather than changing course um, is where I get, um, you know, true fulfillment. Shows Absolutely. the complexity of it. It is. It is really complex. And I imagine one of the more complex changes that you've gone through is when you relocated to Canada. You mentioned that when you got here, you had a very heavy accent and you quickly became very insecure 
did you experience any kind of bullying? Was it really externally put on you or was it more of an internal battle? What a great question. And one I ask of myself quite a bit because they also, you know, I'm a big believer in, um, you know, you're going to see what you want to see, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, every time I thought I was pregnant, I would just see pregnant women everywhere, right? So it's the same, you know, every time you think um, you've been discriminated against and you just heavily think of, you know, I am a victim, you start seeing proof to it everywhere, right? So um, I do um, certainly look back quite a bit and, uh, and self-analyze as well. That being said, those years were rough. <laughs> and mm. I'm sure that every fellow immigrant will relate, um, especially those were my, um, my late teens. And so those are the years where um, we, we don't want to stand out. Today, I want to stand out. In those years, I wanted to fit in. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to fit in when you say hello. Um, and right away, you hear, oh, where are you from? And all you want to say is, I'm from here, from here, from here. I'm just like <laughs> you. And this is where I'm from. Now I'm very proud to say, you know, I was born in the Soviet Union. I grew up in Ukraine. Um, in those years, I wanted to pretend I was born, um, you know, the suburbs of Montreal and grew up here as well. Um, but so those years were hard. Um, did I um, face any bullying? I wouldn't say bullying, but I was on the receiving end of a lot of jokes, um, of a lot of people trying to imitate my accent. Um, did they all always mean um, bad? Uh, you know, did they have ill intent? Probably not always. Um, did it sting to the core? Yes, I remember those moments still so vividly as though it was yesterday. Um, and then it, my university years were really hard. Um, you know, very often I was at, in the uh, commerce program. Um, it's heavy with presentation. So every time I would do a presentation, there would be a lot of snickering, a lot of whispering. I remember that very vividly still. (laughs) And I start actually, you know, uh, stumbling on my words when I remember those times. It's really interesting and brings me back um, in in those years. So bullying per se, I wouldn't say, um, but those were, (laughs) those were challenging years, no doubt. So let's go back to those moments where you're giving presentations. These are the types of you know, points in time in history when people are recounting their stories and they'll say, you know, this is, it taught me resilience and I learned about adversity and it gave me tough skin. Can you look back on those times and think they helped me become the woman I am today? Or do you look back at them and think, you know, it's really not okay. And, and I, I don't wish that upon anyone who's coming to Canada or any country for the first time. Oh, another fantastic question. You ask such great questions. I appreciate <laughs> <Thank> you. it. <laughs> and it, it really makes me reflect. Um, you know, I would say that um, it did not teach me anything in the moment or in those early years. What it has given me is an immense sense of gratitude and appreciation uh, for what I'm capable of today. Um, I can tell you that the first time, so I've now given talks all over the world, but When I was invited to speak at McGill a couple of years ago, I cannot tell you how nervous I was. And at that point, I had spoken internationally. But when I was invited to speak at McGill, because it was such a throwback, right? I had those memories of, you know, a younger woman and Mm -hmm. um, all those experiences. I almost crashed my car twice on the way there from my my office to McGill. No joke. Um, Thankfully, my car, you know, brakes as that automatic uh, braking system when I'm about to (laughs) rear-end another car. So that helped. (laughs) Um, And quite literally, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to reach out and say that I I got violently ill. 
and I cannot make it. And, uh, you know, I'm very sorry. And I'm going to pull out um, because I was just under immense amounts of stress. I can, I can barely express it. Um, of course, I did not pull out. I did it. It went phenomenally well. Um, I actually got an invitation to then teach at Concordia as a result because somebody from Concordia Recruitment was there. So it all worked out. Um, what those having those experiences has made me um, realize is how much, again, appreciation and gratitude I have today. Um, I do not take any um, invitation to a speaking engagement uh, for granted. I appreciate every single one and I cherish um, the opportunities that are given to me to speak, you know, as we are uh, right now. Um, those, you know, those moments where I know that I can lend my voice to something or when there's even interest in having my voice heard, um, to me, it is priceless. I cherish it. And I don't think I would to this degree had I not gone through those experiences years ago. Mm. That's pretty powerful when we can reflect back on them and say, you know what, that was really uncomfortable. I can't say I enjoyed it, but I can appreciate it. Definitely. But uh, to circle back on what you said before, but no, I would not wish that upon anyone. <laughs> you know, do, do I want my daughter to go through something similar so that then she appreciates her public speaking opportunities? Um, no, I wouldn't. I guess for our kids, we always envision things to, um, to happen differently. But as part of my rhetoric and my story, I do have appreciation um, from this moment where I'm fortunate to be right now. What I really appreciate, not only you know about having this platform, but the opportunity to connect with people like you and who I follow and whose work I truly admire. And I watch your content and I see what you're doing. And I know a little bit about your story, but to get a peek behind the curtain into you know, what really happened from, from your memory, from your words, and how it shaped you today is fascinating because I see you as... A, like absolute powerhouse, this leader in your space with a big voice and a big presence that people want to listen to. They want to follow. You own your own company. You have this commitment to speaking on issues that truly matter to you. And it's, it's really humbling to see that this was a real journey. This was a process to get from where you are or where you were to where you are now. Um, I'm just taking in all of the amazing words. <laughs> you Please <just> do. <laughs> um, you know, especially the part where you said I have a really big voice. Um, that truly brings tears to my eyes. And um, I'm not exaggerating. Um, you know, growing up in the Soviet Union, I grew up in the culture of censorship where um, I always felt this you know, big voice inside of me, but I could not really um, utilize it in any way. The culture of censorship was quite severe. Um, I was also born to a Jewish father. Um, you know, my parents would frequently be whispering when they wanted to talk about anything. So the concept of having a big voice was not an option. Mm. Um, and then coming to Canada, um, listen, I remember in my first um, couple of months here, just this feeling of this is the land of freedom, freedom of speech. I will be able to express myself. But then not having a voice for very different reasons, not having people being interested in what I had to say because they couldn't quite understand me. Uh, people would get impatient. And I'm saying that with zero uh, complaint or judgment. This is human nature, right? Like we want to uh, listen when it's compelling, when it's hard to understand what the person is saying, you know, you're less compelled to listen. It is only normal. Um, but then for years um, experiencing that, I realized that to me, quite frankly, there is nothing more precious um, than having a voice, having a big voice, scaling its reach, 
and then helping others do the same. To me, that is my why. It's at the core of who I am. So when I hear you say, um, you know, you have a big voice, you know, I've noticed it. Um, to me, I really don't think there's anything quite more validating or rewarding um, that, uh, that anybody can say to me. How did you go from feeling like no one was willing or had the patience to listen to feeling like you did have a platform and a purpose and this why that you wanted to take action on? I quite frankly, uh, once I got the opportunity to speak, because I was in this, you know, society of freedom of speech, even though people were not as, um, you know, keen on listening to me as perhaps they are today, um, I, I still spoke. <laughs> I still spoke up. Um, I've, I've been, um, you know, quite, um, always been quite outspoken. So I, um, I just felt this burning desire. I couldn't stop it. And, you know, a few years ago, I spoke at an event. This is before um, I started speaking more frequently, but um, I was, it was something that I was focusing on quite a bit. I spoke at an event um, and, you know, received an email from somebody who was, um, I believe, leading that event. Um, somebody quite successful, somebody quite prominent um, sent me an email essentially telling me that I probably should not do that again. Like mm. kind of, kind of, you know, in, you know, not such direct terms saying like, it's not your thing. Um, and <laughs> listing out all the reasons why I shouldn't be um, speaking publicly. And that's stunned and hurt. And obviously somebody, again, uh, quite successful. So I did respect the opinion and it seemed really quite genuine feedback. It was not um, meant to, you know, hurt my feelings or, mm -hmm. um, you know, not at all. So it really was feedback, unsolicited, but it was feedback. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, you know, of course it made me stop and think, but I just can't help it. You know, to me, um, this is the most precious right that I have is uh, the right to have my voice and to use it. And, um, and I continued. And, you know, a year later, um, I was at an event. I have to share the story because this is one of my <laughs> most <laughs> heartwarming moments uh, for myself. Um, so imagine this about a year later, maybe a year and a half, I'm invited to speak at an event um, to a group of entrepreneurs. I'm there. I'm setting up my computer. It's a beautiful location. You know, it's winter. It's snowing outside. Just everything is great. I'm in flow. I'm feeling uh, fantastic getting ready. People start coming in. I'm saying hello to them. Who walks in? That gentleman mm. from a year, a year and a half ago. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I... <laughs> will not, um, you know, cover up what happened. I went straight to the bathroom and I started pouring ice cold water on my wrists um, in an effort to stop hyperventilating and to calm down. And again, I considered leaving, <laughs> saying I got sick, uh, you know, coming up with an excuse. I did and I stayed. Um, and he came up to me after and his feedback was so glowing and so raving um, that I can barely express it. He's become my, you know, my biggest fan, arguably. Um, since then. So just to say why I continued is because I, I, I can't stop it. I can't put a plug on it. Um, to me, this is priceless. This is me, you know, the voice and, uh, and uh, self-expression. Um, and then what made it all better is just continuous um, practice, um, you know, saying yes to every speaking opportunity, um, just practicing, getting better, persevering at it. And uh, here we are. Here we are. I'm so glad that you continued because for every person who will voice their opinion are a dozen people who will never come forward, who are completely 
like their lives have been altered by what you've shared. I have no doubt it, whether it's from a career perspective, whether it's from a business perspective, whether it's from a motherhood perspective. I mean, you've got so much, yeah, I feel like you've lived so many lives. Thank you. And certainly, you know, have been criticized in every single aspect of which just, which you just listed. <laughs> all those different identities, I've heard it all. Um, and certainly gotten criticized in general. I mean, look, somebody um, commented on my LinkedIn post, one of my LinkedIn posts yesterday, um, calling me an example of vanity. Um, somebody... Mm. You know, DM'd me a couple of months ago, somebody quite well known in Montreal calling me a loser. Um, so certainly uh, we will wow. all be on the receiving end. And I'm sure you've received some doozies too, right? Um, because you have such a, um, you know, a lot of visibility and you, you expose yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be people who will um, love and appreciate and there will be people who will completely dislike and that's okay. Um, if there is at least, you know, for every person who has something negative to say, there is one person um, that feels that, you know what, she gets this type of reaction. It's okay if I do, you know, I need to persevere and pursue my dreams and that's all that matters. If I can just, you know, um, let's say inspire somebody uh, for a moment, then it's all worth it. Wow. Yeah, I know that it's not easy getting those messages and having, when you pour your heart and soul into what you're doing and, you know, again, admittedly, I'm a little biased because I just adore you and the work that you do and everything that you put out, I find is jam-packed with value. So I find it hard to believe on one hand that you receive such comments, but like you said, in in living, um, I don't know about publicly, but quite transparently, I'll say, we definitely open the the door to such criticism and feedback for better or for worse. And it's a little mind blowing still that people feel the need to take time out of their day to, to bring down others. Definitely. But you know, what's interesting is I have never blocked a single person and, um, you know, never silenced somebody, even if they're criticizing me or even um, insulting me because again, to me, voice is everything, right? So one of my core values is censorship is evil. And I cannot, you know, when I get a comment like that, and I'm thinking, wow, this person publicly, right? This is LinkedIn. He's writing something negative. He's not going to look look good, right? It's not me. It's going to be him. Um, and yet he is. And brings me a bit of a smile. I'm like, because he can. <laughs> he can <laughs> express himself. And that's his opinion. Um, and I'm not saying it as in, you know, people need to be within their comfort zone. And uh, sometimes it's better to, you know, block somebody if, uh, um, you know, their commentary is, uh, is affecting me. I'm just saying for myself, um, I'm so anti-censorship that I even apply it when it doesn't, um, you know, serve me well. And um, I also do take the moment to acknowledge that for somebody to take the time to write something negative to another person, you know, a perfect stranger um, probably means that the person is not in the best and happiest of spaces, him or herself. So I usually Mm -hmm. will reply, you know, with an emoji of the sun (laughs) and we'll just say, you know, I wish you, um, you know, happiness and success and I hope your day gets brighter. But it took me a very long time to, to get to that place. I used to, you know, also never censor, never blog, but clap back and engage and, you know, trying to prove, no, I'm not vague. No, I'm not a bad person. No, I'm, but mm. at the end of the day, that's not, um, you know, that's, that's, that serves no purpose. 
I agree. On the topic of censorship, do you feel that since you have found this voice and have really flexed the muscle and leveraged the fact that you can and and quite honestly should be using it to change the world, have you received any feedback that has been difficult, any tough pills to swallow from your family, from, you know, any cultural backlash that you felt is in part what had kept you silent in the first place? Um, no, I wouldn't say, I mean, I have certainly received, um, a lot of commentary, you know, it's interesting. We certainly, it's it's such a fascinating topic, you know, here in North America, we have the biggest privilege of complete freedom of voice. We really do, right? We can criticize our politicians. We can criticize, um, authority. We can criticize whoever, right? Not going to be arrested. I'm going to go to jail. And yet I am seeing so many people self-censor or try to censor each other's different opinions. Mm. That is scary to me. I do get a lot of um, direct messages from people who wish me well. um, And they say, you know, Marina, you wrote that and maybe you shouldn't, you know, maybe, I don't know, it's not gonna, I don't know, position in the best light, or maybe it's a controversial opinion, or maybe a client of yours is going to see it um, and not going to like it for things that are pretty benign. Um, That scares me. I, on the flip side, I'm very frequently called brave and courageous for expressing my opinions. And when I get those messages, I get actually get chills. I get scared um, because I am not expressing anything um, close to deserving uh, labels of courage and bravery and admire people who are courageous and brave expressing their opinions in societies where, you know, it is persecuted. Um, So I'm seeing more of that. I'm seeing more of self-censorship. I'm seeing people really get, um, you know, those messages when people post on Facebook, for example, um, I don't know, if you are a supporter of Trump, unfriend me right away. I don't want to be friends with you. Um, Things like that are scarier to me than the supporters of Trump, (laughs) even though I'm not one. You know, when that that whole self-censorship of each other's opinions um, that I find um, quite uh, quite disheartening. Mm. And do you feel like perhaps I mean are you are you in contact with anyone still in Ukraine? Do you have a, a, any family there? I do have family. I have not kept very close ties. And you know what's interesting? Um, I haven't been back since graduating from university. I went to visit once and felt that I just did not fit in culturally anymore. Mm. Um, So I haven't been back, but I was supposed to go back this summer. And um, Sam, I was supposed to be speaking at an event to a group of local entrepreneurs. You can imagine how how that homecoming was feeling to me, that impending homecoming, and of course got canceled because of COVID. Um, so I do have some family. We are in touch, but not uh, not quite uh, quite on a deep level or actively. Do you feel like Canada is home at this stage? Canada is absolutely home. Um, it's interesting, you know, I have um, right now, I'm sitting here in a t-shirt, you can't see me, but I'm sitting in a t-shirt with the big inscription um, of immigrant on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've just embraced it in, uh, in, in a very different way um, since, you know, I, I kind of regained my own and, you know, found my, my place in the society. Um, Canada is home, but when I do go back to Ukraine, it will feel strange, but uh, that will feel like home as well in its own different way. Right. And I, I actually love that you're wearing a t-shirt that says immigrant because I feel like it is so on brand for you in that you are truly and unequivocally authentic 
in, in your perspective, in your belief, in your communication, in your business practice, in your core values, everything that I know about you has been, has been truly authentic. And that's one of the things that you talk so much about is the importance of being radically authentic. What does that mean to you? Um, it comes first of all from doing a lot of introspection to first find out who we really are. And that is hard. That is easier said than done. And often we notice things about other people before we notice things about ourselves. It's really interesting. Um, so step one to me, that's really important. And I'm in this constant, you know, I'm on this constant journey of self-discovery, self-awareness, analyzing, learning new things about myself. I think that is so, 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 so important. Um, and then I'm a big believer in then, you know, staying true to that, identifying, um, let's say your core values and they are core no matter what, right? So when I'm telling you, for example, that um, I am, um, you know, one of the biggest things that I believe is that censorship is evil. Well, I believe it's evil. And I just gave you an example how that will always be the case for me, right? It doesn't um, just, you know, when it suits us, it suits us. Um, I believe in that. And I also believe in owning our voice and expressing ourselves and scaling the reach of our voice. I believe that it is important to everybody. I believe that everybody has a story to tell. I believe that everybody has lessons to teach. Um, and I think that when we're constantly self-censoring um, because, you know, oh, what if my employer thinks that? What if my prospective employer thinks that? What if my prospective client thinks this? What if a current client thinks this? If it's not a way to live life. Um, mm. I believe in being radically authentic and I believe that uh, what this will do is, yes, of course, a lot of people will not like us for who we are, but then so many more people will love us for who we are. And that's where magic happens. And it seems that you've taken this concept and turned it into a business, if I'm not mistaken. As someone now who's really into personal branding and making people the heroes of their own story, is this what's at the core of your new venture? Yes. And you know, it's really interesting how these things started developing completely organically. You know, when the pandemic hit, I spent the first weekend of isolation in bed. I was unable to crawl out of bed. I was just paralyzed in fear, thinking, you know, all hiring is coming to a complete stop and I own a hiring business and that's my income, right? So um, felt completely paralyzed, just not even sure what to do. And then I did the one thing that I uh, am very comfortable doing, which now has become apparent is using my voice. Mm -hmm. And so I just went all in on social media, um, just, you know, sharing, posting, engaging, organizing events, just completely all in. And what's interesting is that I started having a lot of people reach out to me uh, for two reasons. One, uh, people would reach out and say, you know, um, I'm at a stage in my career where I'm safe, I'm, you know, financially secure, I'm not affected by the pandemic, but I realized I'm, I'm not fulfilled. You know, I don't feel that light inside of me. And I feel that, you know, you're so radiant right now. You know, you're really, you know, people were saying you're in flow, you're radiant. You seem to be, you know, living your best life right now. And I was thinking, really, I, I'm dying inside because of my business. <laughs> That's crumbling. But then as I was trying to analyze what they mean, I felt, no, I, I understand what they mean. Because although there's this big, massive, you know, peace, concern, anxiety, but at the same time, 
time I'm doing things that are so in line and in sync with my why, you know, my reason for being and all of my values that that is translating very authentically to people as the, you know, the glow, the flow and, um, and the radiance. And so as I started speaking to people and said, you know, and completely frank, this is what I think is happening. I think it is because of my why and I think it's because of my values and um, then I scale the reach of my voice and then people would say, well, can you help me do the same? Mm. And I said, sure. And, you know, I remember speaking with uh, the first person. She said, um, okay, I want to work with you. You know, what do you propose? And I said, okay, well, we'll do a program and this is what it's going to be. And she goes, um, just, just to be sure, how many people have you done this with? And I said, none. <laughs> you the first um, because I was also in such a vulnerable spot with everything happening. I was not going to be doing any fake until you make it business right. and adding more stress to my plate. I said, I have not, but I promise you this will be fine. Um, and uh, we um, concluded our work together. And now um, she, she asks me to continue working together, which is great. So what I do with people is um, before we start working on, you know, scaling the reach of their personal brand, creating them a content plan for now online in the future offline because I don't believe that a personal brand is reduced to LinkedIn posts. Um, the first thing that we do, the most fascinating to me piece is we really identify what the, you know, the architecture um, of one's personal brand. What is your unique value proposition? Um, what are the pillars of your brand? You want to be known as an expert on what and it could be multiple things right especially for somebody like you you said you get bored easily you want to have a ton of different things on your plate that's great it can be different things but what are those things what are your core values you know what will what will what will you be able to do where you know it's really interesting i heard this for so many years um you know people say it's, it's so cliche um, find something uh, to do where you will feel that, you know, you're getting paid, but it's not even work, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I never knew exactly what that meant. And I felt that I kind of was living that because I'm a workaholic. I love to work. And I'm like, oh, I'm working. This feels great. And I'm getting paid for it. But it's in those moments where I'm doing this deep work with clients and we're building their brand architecture, their personal brand architecture, where I catch myself thinking, Sam, oh my God, they're paying me for this. This is the best thing I could be doing. <laughs> I could pay them for letting me do this. Um, so it's been, it's been really fascinating, incredible. It's still something that I'm building and refining. I'm going back to um, get a master's um, at uh, Concordia. I'm starting in September to build up wow. my yeah, I want to build out my own methodology so that it's not just anecdotal, but that there's real methodology to scaling um, of a personal brand and really understand what it takes. Um, so it's, uh, it truly is um, really so fulfilling to me right now. Oh, that makes me so happy to hear. For those who are listening and thinking, well, you know, I'm not really sure I need a personal brand um, or I'm, I'm really quite happy with the personal brand that I have, but I'm struggling to find my voice and to share it. What parting words can you share with them to feel a little more confident in sharing their story? Well, a personal brand you have, because a personal brand is essentially the sum of people's perceptions of you, right? Um, and so no matter what, um, there, there is people form perceptions of us, 
whether or not we want them to, right? Mm -hmm. At least what we want to do is conform those perceptions and make sure that they're aligned with reality. And they're not just the sum of certain, you know, biases or kind of bits and pieces of information that's out there um, about us. So I would rather encourage people to uh, control and manage their own rhetoric uh, rather than leaving it, you know, up to kind of faith and those perceptions forming on their own. Um, I think that's number one. I don't think, you know, when people say, well, I don't, should I be posting anything or putting out content? I don't know what I'm going to say. It's because it's too soon. If you're not sure what you're going to say, then it's so important to do that preliminary work, right? So you have to find your voice first um, to just know who you are, who's at the core of who you are. Once you do that, then you will see that there is that burning desire to scale its reach, right? Maybe it doesn't have to be scaled that far. Maybe it's just within your smaller community. But you know what they say, we are our network. Um, we are the sum of the people that we surround ourselves with and having an authentic voice and scaling it helps build that network. Oh, great advice. Thank you. How can people connect with you if they want to learn more about you and what you're working on? Well, I live on LinkedIn. <laughs> Literally. Yep. <laughs> As you might've noticed uh, right now, uh, LinkedIn is home and you say, you know, is, is Canada home? I should have said LinkedIn is home. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Um, so people can just look me up on LinkedIn, connect with me. I respond to every single message. Sometimes that means staying up really late. Um, but again, I feel so honored when people take the time to message me that I always, absolutely always reply. Um, be that just to say hi, connect, or maybe answer a question. It uh, brings me so much joy to be able to do that. Wonderful. Marina, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been so great having you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Catalyst with Samantha Chris. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, I hope you're feeling a little more equipped to lean into the unknown and take inspired action. <laughs>